we're talking about bards. And we all think of like music for bards, but there's other things you can do, artistic things that bards will do. What art or performance art or public entertainment do you secretly know that you'd be fucking amazing at <laughs> if you were cool. given the chance and had the training? Like, you know, you were naturally talented at this, but your life just didn't go in that direction. Yeah. Exactly. But if you had your chance, and I know Dan's going to be like battle rapping. <laughs> I got a three. I got a twelve. Terry, you're up. Am I going first? Really? Uh, no, I got first. I'm going first. Oh, you're, oh, I got you're a 12. 12. Okay. Terry got a 2. Terry's going last. Oh, Terry. Yeah, sorry, Terry. Um, unfortunately, not battle rapping. I have spent the past six months trying battle to rapping. do Guns and Ships from the Hamilton play, and it, I'm just starting to get it now. So, But uh, honestly, if there was to be anything, uh, drawing, uh, doing like roadside caricatures and stuff like that, I think with like just a little bit more training, I would be badass as shit. Really? Like yeah. Yeah, like if I if I spent about another three months just like trying to perfect that, I like I I could probably do something. What with it. Uh, what style? Caricature. Really? Yeah. Everyone's in a dune buggy holding the tennis racket or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Going on. I'm scared to get a caricature because I don't know what they're going to pick out. I fucking just stick with me forever. Because you know, like, my eyes are not that close together. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, things like that. Like my brow comes out very heavy brow here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, uh, me next. Uh, stand-up comedy. Yeah. I would be fucking amazing <laughs> at stand-up comedy. I think you would. I think you'd be savage. It, yeah, I think that if I had the opportunity to sit down and and write the lyrical words to get my point across ahead of time yeah. and workshop that shit, I think I could have that fucking I down. think you'd be great with hecklers. I oh, think you yeah. just oh, have yeah. stuff in the bank and then just do whatever kind of person, like the MMA douchebag or like yeah. the Barbie girlfriend. Or I, like as whatever. someone who spent... 30 years heckling Adam. Yes, he would be amazing at that. I know. I do fucking Some of the lines, man, that you say have me creased. I'd support that. I'd go to that open mic night. <laughs> I'd go. Honestly, I think for uh, for a uh, exit bit, one of these episodes, you should do like a hot five. Like, let's... <laughs> like Johnny yeah. Carson style. Like, the top five things that you find in a no, barbarian. No, 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 no. Like, five, like a five-minute uh, routine. What's the deal with doppelgangers? <laughs> Terry, what what you... gang? <laughs> exactly. For me? Yeah. Rockstar. You think? Oh, God. I so fantasize it now. I'm 32 years old, man. Every time I'm in the shower again, I always think about it. Like, when, like, my favorite songs come on, like, it's in my mind. I'm, like, imagining myself on stage. I can't get Stop furiously masturbating. Over it. And I read that um, that book one time. Shit, what's it called? The War of the Flowers? You guys read that? It's a fantasy novel. War of the Flowers. I'm someone on the internet yes, screaming yes, at Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I and it's read a it. guy, it's about a musician, right? And yep. he's like 32 or something. He's like the same age as me. And he's like, maybe I could have made it 10 years ago. And now it's too late. And I like relive that line over and over in my head. Like, fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, all the time. That's right. And I think I'm fucking kill it. When, I'm on the mic. What mic. version of rock star? Are you talking punk rocker? Are you talking glam rocker? What are we talking about? I, all of them go through my mind. Like, it depends what's on. If it's like Metallica, I go into like a thrash mode. Or if it's Will like you Guns N' like, Roses, I'll go like, yeah. Like Meatloaf Power Ballad? I, I would because, like, I like, I just like showing off. But, I know know that's that. a, put, put your I shirt mean, back on. I like, <laughs> I never take my shirt off. That's something. Um, but I, I like attention that I can control. I'm the most extroverted introvert you'll ever meet. But I can't. I hate attention that I not cannot control. If there's 30 people in a room and somebody goes, "Oh my god, did you piss your pants?" and everybody looks at me, 
that like kill me. That's a self fulfilling prophecy. I'll say, <laughs> oh my god, did you piss your pants? I'll leave the pen. Now I get. I'll leave the penthouse party the fast way over the balcony. Like I'm <laughs> out. But if it's attention that I'm prepared. Pre- Prepped for, apparently not speaking on a podcast. <laughs> I was about and to say, on the bright side, okay. you're going to give this to me to edit and put out there without you vetoing it. So. I just, I like to make other people happy. That sounds so douchey. <laughs> like, oh, good. Oh, you're so good. But I mean, like, I take enjoyment of seeing other people enjoy themselves. Whether it's like, I try to make them laugh. Uh, that's or why you watch so much freaking porn. That's yeah. why I watch so much porn. Yeah. Because, and we know what kind now. Because I truly believe that she's having a good time. <laughs> Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I got to fucking change that because it's Dungeons and Dragons discussion and it drives me nuts every time. Yeah. Got to fix that shit. Triple D. Welcome to the to the Triple D where you, nope, where you never know what you're and dives? We're going to keep uh, Flavor Town. <laughs> Flavor Town. I don't know, man. With three male hosts, we, we can't call it the Triple D. The flavor text. Guy Fieri Genassi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam, and with me are these two fucking chuckleheads. Yeah. And today we're talking about Bards. Guys, we're turning to Xanathars now. So uh, we've already covered the ones in the PHB, and we're going to take a look at... Um, the subclasses there, but first, like we've been doing on the second round of every single one of these uh, revisits to the classes, we're going to go through kind of the tables at the beginning sure. of the section to see, A, is it helpful for this specific class? Like B, are they phoning it in? And C, is this just something that's good to have for all of the classes? Mm. And should this have just been thrown into a general yeah. discussion in the book? So, um, first and foremost, it talks about how the bard is... is um, funny, but also wise and loves stories. And the opening paragraphs are pretty much everything that you're, you already know. You got that out of the player's handbook. Um, and it does say that they're there to chronicle smaller bits and pieces and take notes and whatnot as well, which I feel is really college of lore. I don't see too many college of, of glamour or, or college of swords. I mean, the idea of you recording that, like every little thing that happens. Really does feel like it's College of Lore more than anything else. Yeah. So it feels like the Bard leans in that direction. College of Lore is a definitive Bard, and we already covered them in the previous episode. So, um, and also there was uh the College of Valor, and what's the other one? College of Whispers, I think yeah. we did mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, which were all really unique and interesting. But the other thing that everyone tends to think about for Bard is how flamboyant they are. They're the biggest personality in the room, which brings us to both glamour and eloquence today, which is two of the three that we're going to hit. So, um, But there are four things at the beginning. Every other one of the classes only has three different uh, ideas for you to think about. This one has four. So let's go through them really quickly. There's the defining work. It says, every successful bard is renowned for at least one piece of performance art. I'm thinking specifically of What's-His-Face in The Witcher, right? Uh, Dandelion? If, if that's his name. Yaskier, if you watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he has that one song that he is famous for, that he's known for. They even, they even cover this a little bit in the early seasons of Game of Thrones, where there mm-hmm. are a couple of songs that are mocking people, and, uh, and one of the minstrels gets freaking executed for right. it. Right. Yeah. Right? So... This is a common, common trope around minstrels and bards is 
they talk a little bit too much, and I feel like it's almost the jester, the the court jester, talks a little bit too much and then gets in shit for gets it. Gets canceled. Yeah, and, and everybody <laughs> remembers them for this one thing that they did. So they've got defining works. We've got a table of them here, um, including Waltz of the Myconids, which is an upbeat tomb that children in particular enjoy. Um, Asmodeus's Golden Arse, a dramatic poem you claim was inspired by your personal visit to Avernus. Okay. Uh, and uh, A Hoop, Two Pigeons, and a Hellhound, a subtle parody of an in, of an incompetent noble. That that goes... Okay, okay. So it gives you some different flavors here. The, another one is a comedic poem, um, and one of them is uh, a... Uh, like a, like a ballad almost as well. So they, but it's all really spoken words, right? And I know that the bard is traditionally all about the spoken word. While they say you can do really anything, um, as far as an art form, they talk specifically about the fact that you get your magic from understanding that the spoken word is tied in with the weave. Should they have gone in another direction, or should they have just have embraced this idea? Should we have better defining works or more varied? What do you guys think? Let's roll. Yeah, sure. Got a five. Got a fifteen. Eight. I want to see it for other for other things. Like I like the spoken word, but I'm I like talking. I don't know if you've noticed this, guys, but I'm. <laughs> it's I, almost like we should record uh, and record post this talking. on the internet. Yes. Yeah. So, um, as much as I I I like talking myself, I, I love watching dance, especially like interpretive dance shit. And I know that that sounds like. Okay. Wait, you love watching interpretive dance? Yeah. You yeah. never said this before. No, I know. Okay, so I dated a girl a while back who was super into um so you think you can dance. Really? Yeah. And I had nothing but disdain for it until the interpretive dance stuff started coming and I'm like, "Wow, that's that means that." And oh, I totally get shit out of that. And yeah. like like oh, it started being smart. When it's when it's hip hop and jazz, I'm like, yep, that's a move. That's a move. That's a move. Congratulations, your figure skating without skates. This is boring as fuck. Move on. But when you are expressing yourself through dance, I find that really interesting. So and movement and other things. I'm also a big fan of of museums and art and and stuff. Right. So I want to see I want to see more beyond just the like the dude who's good with words. Right. Especially because I've been at enough D and D tables to know that. You got a lot of introverts. You've got a lot of people that are, you know, a little bit awkward. I'm not calling anyone out, damn. But there are some people that think that they can talk better than they can, or are forced to talk <laughs> when they don't want to. Right. I don't know. I I don't think this is enough. I wanted to see more. Even you know, there's nothing here about like it's all lyrics. Right. There's nothing here about well, the I musicality. Mean, fifth, fifth edition has uh really really drilled home the fact that bards. Their source of magic is these, like how these words pull from the weave. I don't see, and I, I agree with you here, Adam. I don't see why interpretive dance couldn't do that as well. Yeah. Um, in, in much the same way, you just find a different thread from the weave to pull on, other than the spoken word, right? And I mean, I've, I've, um, I'm a massive fan of theater, um, both. Uh, orchestral symphony and what the fuck? is this the first day I've met you two? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I did mention earlier that Hamilton has been my jam lately, yeah, you did and slip not that in, yeah. just because of its surge of popularity, but because it's. Dan actually... and I go to the symphony on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, we do. Guys, I enjoy stuff like that. <laughs> We're totally fucking <laughs> <enough. laughs> No, no, but no, I, I have very good friends who are part of the Vancouver Bach Choir, and I get in there two, three, four times a year when it's meeting, not during COVID. Mm. So, like, I, I, I legitimately like performance art like that and uh 
I have been to some interpretive dance uh, performances that involve a measure of acting and and the spoken word as well. So um, I don't see how any of that couldn't work, even when you're sitting there casting your spells on a battlefield. Um, this is the blade dancer. This is what should the blade dancer should be in my mind. Yeah. Right? Someone who is actually talented at dancing through a field of combat. And, and their magic is pouring out of them through their movements. Yeah. I love it. And uh, Adam, you just said something a minute ago about how it's it's all very lyric-based but not music-based. And I really believe it should be because words... This, but Hey, shocker. Words are just sounds, right, that we form with our mouths. But isn't it funny how we understand each other, but when somebody comes in, they speak Mandarin around us or, or, or whatever, or like, I, I don't know, any language, we don't necessarily understand what they're saying. But to me, that is the same as, like, don't tell me that Joe Satriani's always with me, always with you is not like you can hear the story in the music from yeah. the guitar. You pick up the complete emotion of the story and you can even create the story in your head of what that guitar piece is about. And I think that is the same as spoken word. It's in a way just another language that we don't know. But somebody can yell at me in in German or Spanish and I kind of understand the tone of what they're saying and I think it's the same with music. Do you ever do you ever know German's when they're not angry. Yeah, when they're not yelling at you or is I, I, I just love the tool song that is a what is it, a recipe for chocolate chip cookies? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I don't know there, tool there, that well. There is a there's a tool song that is like just the grungiest, heaviest thing. And it's in pure German. It's Maynard just talking in German. And it sounds like a nineteen forties era German speech. But it is him just... Are you referring to anybody in particular by uh, any chance? Uh, <laughs> they like arm bands. Anyways, uh, the... the It really worked Dan into a furor. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cool thing about the song is it is a chocolate chip cookie recipe. Yeah. That he is just reciting in German. Right, made, made from the tears of the lesser races? Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just... It's just it is an example of how the German language, it is not hard to make a language that is a, in itself a very beautiful language, but sound overtly aggressive. That's true. I just want to point out how I was talking about Joe Satriani's Always With Me, Always With You, and the romance behind that song, and 22 seconds later, you brought the entire conversation to the Third Reich. <laughs> no idea how you did that. Terry did not see that coming. Uh, <laughs> no. But neither did you. It was a bit of a blitzkrieg, so. eh? <laughs> uh, oh, God. Fuck. All right. Moving along. So, now that we have, we've, we each think that that uh, this should be more about the music or and less about the spoken word. And while it is all about the lyrics and whatnot, when it's a the defining work, the next thing is almost contradictory in Xanathar's because it's instrument. Mm. And they do one really cool thing with it, but I feel like they beat it to death by the time that I'm done this this one very short random table. Mouth harp? So here are the... No, you can never do that to death. So, did you say harp? Never mind. Um, instruments. A masterfully crafted halfling fiddle, a mithril horn made by elves, an orcish drum, a wooden bullywug croak box. Do you hear the, the theme here? Yeah. They're grabbing a different one of the D&D races, and they're giving them a very specific instrument to go with it. I'm still stuck on the halfling fiddle, like the fiddle made of halfling. Um, you should not be a stand-up comedian. Okay, it, it, it defines, you know, this uh, beautiful harp made by elves and a halfling fiddle. Yeah. 
by their choice of selection that leads me to believe that it's not a fiddle made for, by halflings. Is Dan racist? Is that what we're finding out? No! Is that what's happening? Is we're not putting that on the about, internet. He was no. talking about a third, right? 30 we're going to keep ago. doing callbacks to this. So yeah. He's got to leave it in. Yeah, right. We'll just say it. Half the episode will be ten fucking minutes long, and I am not afraid to do it. Bards, <laughs> great. <laughs> Bards, great. Dan didn't say anything racist at all the entire episode. <laughs> Moving on! For a change. That you should leave it. <laughs> so, it does sound like they're just they're just harping on the same point over and over again. If, if you can see what Stop fiddling yourself with this one and keep moving on. This guy, can just, you believe him? I'm just going to keep beating the same drum all night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on. No, no, but but seriously, like it's interesting that yes, these are instruments, but they're very simply instruments that I'm already thinking about, and they just put like a DD right. race thing yeah. to it, right? Like uh, uh, there's a harp and a horn and a fiddle. Like I'm not, it's not blowing my fucking mind here. Yeah, is this enough to warrant its own unique thing? Doesn't everybody automatically get an instrument anyway? Like aren't we already thinking about? What's there? And we all come up with, with leers and, and... Oh, yeah. Everybody's loops, carrying an and instrument loops, and right? a friggin' dice set. And God, yeah, man. right. And so, like, there's nothing here to this. This this feels lacking to me. Yeah. I actually do like this because it gets the ball rolling for uh, generating your own unique instrument to play with your character. Um, because of exactly what you said, everyone kind of just defaults on the leer or the lutes or the pipe or the, like... Pan flute. Pan flute or something. Right there's there's like that those core three that everyone just goes oh that's a fantasy trope but nothing to tug on your heartstrings <laughs> nicely done um I don't understand why there's not a guy walking around with like a um didgeridoo a didgeridoo or a uh, <laughs> I'd be a, a, a one of those spoken uh, word poet with a wood block or, or a, a bagpipe tuba oh uh, sousaphone yeah yeah I played that in high school yeah we is that what it's called the sousaphone sousaphone yeah. yeah. Dan thought it was a girl's name, right, right, and then right. he was very disappointed when when he showed up on the first day of band. Is Miss a phone here? Is, is Miss a phone? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Terry, how do you feel about this? Um, I, I, I agree with you in that the creativity they're demonstrating is purely in which race it comes from, which I think is good, because that's something I think would be missed quite often. Yeah, I think, I think that's all right. Uh, I mean, what about, I, I took the idea of, like, um, having a rapier that has the same properties as, like, a tuning fork or something. It's just a single note. It's a single note that kickstarts the tone or the, the momentum of whatever spell is going to be cast, or like, it, but it's a little bit more creative than drum. I like the idea of, of being College of Swords and you put a metronome down and go, yeah, I got it now and here we go. Right? Uh, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I love that. So, Actually, Dan, write that down. <laughs> that's, Where's what Travis? that's what Dab's for. Where's Travis? Who's the assistant now? I have no idea. We're, Still Dave. No, he's on coffee only. Oh, I don't think we have an assistant. That, yeah, that explains Dan, a lot of Dave about is purely yeah. on coffee. That's the only thing we yeah. can trust him with. <laughs> um, so, Dan, you... How did you feel about this? I, I do like it just because it gets the ball rolling. I do think it's weak, but I do like that it's here. I really feel like this should have been expanded. And instead of it being a D6 of of um, the specific instrument, it should have been, oh, it's something made by a race that you don't normally see. Mm -hmm. or And then there should have been six different. Yeah, like what kind of, what kind of instrument uh, would uh, Goliath uh, clan use? What kind Castanets. of? Castanets. What about a tiefling <laughs> that plays their own horn? You know, because they lost it somehow. That would actually be in the shower. Cool, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just sitting there playing their horn in the shower. Wrong kind of horn. 
right. Right. Kind of porn. Or maybe they use their left. Anyway, no judgment here. Speaking of embarrassment, I'm sorry. There's a, one. there's a, there is a huge fucking amount of judgment here. Come on, Dan. We all do it. Well, no, I don't. I, I, don't I wasn't I'm, saying specifically about this. I'm just saying, like, the general culture of this table is there's a little bit of judgment, usually pointed oh, in my I'm direction. I'm talking about playing musical instruments. Joke. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I'm, I think Dan's just a little insecure. Mm-hmm. No, we won't judge you for that, Dan. <laughs> no one can see the I'll do, I'll do the yeah, yeah I'll do the Adam rolls his eyes yeah. disappointedly thank you for, for the hearing impaired <laughs> you can listen to this podcast <laughs> now we describe that's audio why needs to be on that's why it needs to be on YouTube Dan with closed captions for the hearing impaired you people are the worst fucking people I've ever met in my goddamn life alright so the next one is embarrassment Aptly enough, almost every bard has suffered at least one bad experience in front of an audience. Or a year and a half long fucking podcast of it. <laughs> chances are oh. you are no exception. <laughs> right the so the embarrassments listed here, the, the six items are the time when your comedic song, which, uh, by the way, you thought was brilliant, did not go over well. Oh, uh, my life. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when your opening song was your enthusiastic but universally hated rendition of Song of the Frog Hemoth. Uh, the time on stage when your wig caught fire and you threw it down, which set fire to the stage. Shit like that. What are we missing off of this? These embarrassments. Like, is this necessary for every bard? Is this a big... I think these are... There are two um, every day. Everybody has one of these. But it shouldn't sit with you so much. Uh, I mean... Oh, I, everybody's had a situation like this. Everybody's peed their pants in school. Everybody's whatever. All right, not everybody's peed their pants in school. No, but everyone's had that embarrassment. Everybody's had that. They asked that that person out and got shut down in front of people. right or something. You just didn't realize was happening or something like that. You, you walked outside. Down. You were bald. Exactly. Right. My college professor um, like took a shit in the middle of the class. Not in the middle of the class. <laughs> he left. Excuse me. He left the room to go to the bathroom, but came back in his suit jacket was tucked into his pants. <laughs> so everybody knew what had happened. Uh, his name was Gary. Good guy. Good guy. Did a lot of jokes. So I hope he's still alive. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, everybody's had that thing, and these are two every day, right? Yeah. There's there's no significant thing there. It's not. Having your heart broken in front of the whole city when you're like when you sat on your loot by mistake yeah, is one of them. Like, I, on. I I view these paired with a, a catchy nickname that then the DM uses. I find this more of a uh, tool for DMs than than something to draw on for role playing as a player. I don't think we need this shit. We already have flaws, and we don't have this for the cleric who got up in front of the. The parishioners and and embarrassed himself. Uh, no, or the paladin who's really good at everything except one time he rode his horse backwards. It, it like, needs to be fucking... further. It needs to be. I don't think it needs to be an embarrassment. It needs to be a tragedy. I think in the sense that like, oh, what did you mention before? Like Jesse Pinkman, that just cannot like he is the embarrassment that everybody knows because he just can't catch a break. It needs to be deeper. The, yeah, that thing that just horrifies you. But it, I don't think it needs to be a defining moment of what your character is because. I think every single player, every character should have this. Uh, I don't know. Cards. I think every single uh, performance artist, and, and we see this in our world today, they do one fucking thing wrong, and that is their stigma for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. Right? Talk about 2007 That's, Britney Spears right now? This, this fits for me, because like a bard is going to be a performance artist who is going to, at some point in time, write something in Twitter in a drunken fr- uh, rage that he didn't 
mean fully, but because it's Twitter and it's around forever, he's never going to live it down. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. I don't like this, and I'm so I'm surprised that you are championing this at all, Dan, because I know that you like characters to be flawed, but you also like your big damned hero storyline. Yeah. And how many people are escaping the embarrassment or the mundanity or the thing that they don't want to think about? This is my escapism on a Friday night. And then they come here just to have the DM say, oh yeah, remember when that character that you absolutely love and created, you've been playing for six months? And, and now I'm just going to remind you about how your belt dropped in the middle of your solo one time. Oh, and So now right? you're having those moments where you wake up and you can't sleep because you're thinking about that thing that happened 10 years later, but now it's about your D&D character. I yeah. think I like it because this is just my life. <laughs> That's... That's it. It's everybody's life, though, right? Yeah, and, and that's why I don't think that we have flaws already. Maybe yeah. there should just be a different table for flaws. Like, I am, imbe- I don't want the spotlight. I'm proud of my talent, but I don't want the spotlight. Right. Shit like that for, for bards instead of embarrassments. Because these things, it's one, what's well, one note? Like, uh, no pun intended on that one, but like. Maybe it should be failures. Like, yeah, like, like um, significant e- failure. Everyone expected you, the gnome, to have really hit it big by the time you hit 120, but you're pushing 200 now. And, yeah, and if you don't have a hit soon, you're not going to. Yeah, right. Like I want, I want this to be insecurities, not embarrassment. Insecurities, yes. Yeah, insecurities is good. Yeah, I could the see the aging bar to be a good one. Oh, shit, Dan, write that down. <laughs> I'm not the assistant now. Well, Dan. It's two to one on this. I thought it was assumed yeah. that you were. Motherfuckers. <laughs> all right. So Edit. both of you all sound like idiots. <laughs> um, the last one here is a bard's muse. Now, this one doesn't actually have a table, but it does have um, three options. It says that these are some of the options. You can do whatever you want with it. But the first one is nature. You feel a kinship with the natural world and its beauty and mystery inspire you. For you, a tree is deeply symbolic. Its roots delving into the... And then it just gets into poetry. And then there's one for love. You're on a quest to identify the essence of true love. And then the last one is conflict. Drama embodies conflict. And the best stories have conflict as a key element. Do we like these for muses? Do Uh, we consider these... When you have fucking fey creatures, is this what a muse is to you? Well, the issue is these are very human for me. Now, I know, obviously, if we're going to cover all the races, it'd be very different, but isn't uh, a half-orc going to think the same as a human in this? Is an, is an elf really going to be so obsessed with true love if they, you know, if they are much more in tune with the idea of mortality and that whole, like, you know, well, Elrond they, is not going to be fascinated by love, is he? No, and that's why they give this as three examples. I'm thinking more about the idea of they've got almost a theme to your to your musical quest right right are we happy with that or are we looking for more are you looking for a legitimate muse when you say the word muse in dnd i think it's i don't mind it because i think it's easy to grasp i think and and bards is already a um a class where i think it's better for more experienced players anyway but I, i think if you're if you're playing a bard for the first time or if you're fairly new to D&D, having a simpler muse like that is easy to grasp. It's something to, to channel and, and, and to railroad, I guess, is the word I'll use, your your quest by. Okay, if I stick to this theme, I'll stay in character. I I, I, I actually really like it because it, it, it makes you actually put in a little bit more thought into your bard than just being that goofy philanderer. Because in a way, those types of bards seem lost 
It's like yeah, yeah. It's they're they're aimless. They're they're two dimensional. It's, it's like always talking but got nothing to say. Yeah. What are you the, about? What the are you bard in for? a certain like he's gone through the college. He's learned his things, and now he's looking for his muse to generate his masterpiece. Yeah. That's a great fucking story. Yeah. Right. Um. I I I like the idea of a bard knowing who their muse is supposed to be. Yeah. What very specifically the named person they're looking for. Yeah. Right. Um, but they have to find them and that is part of their journey. And, and, and you actually have a goal for this character other than how many of the different humanoid races can I bed? Right. It needs to be channeled into something, right? It's like all of the greats. When you think of like Kirk Cobain, Freddie Mercury, Van Gogh, Picasso, whatever, they're, they're not just, it's not just random. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had a stroke of inspiration, by the way, and I'm sitting here with Xanathar's open as a picture of an Etten here, and I'm like, if I were to write a ballad today, if my bard is writing a ballad, it would be his masterpiece, Me, Myself, and Us, A Tale of Forbidden Etten Love. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that defeated Dan. <laughs> is that masturbating? Hmm? It depends. Do you control both hands? Depends. Yeah, it depends which side you when control. When they say, this is a creature with two heads... Yeah, yeah, is it yeah. replicated in two Because they each control a side, right? So if they were, like, doing that scene from Ghost. So it, it's used, used the left hand to make it feel like a stranger is actually a thing. Not if you control the left hand, does I it? guess it's true. Yeah, so... Uh, hand crossed to lovers. No? No. Okay. Moving along, <laughs> then. Thank you! Let's go to a commercial. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Megan. You'll recognize me from such things as Call of Cthulhu playthrough and various episodes where I'm mean to Terry, kind of terrified of Adam, and always wowed by Dan's lore knowledge. Uh, we're solidly into year two of the podcast now, and there's been a lot covered. So if you're new to It's a Mimic or just have the attention span of a guppy, let me remind you quickly about what is out there. So far, we have covered the horde mentality monsters, including orcs, goblinoids, kobolds, gnolls, undead, and even bullywugs. If we're talking about base classes, we've also covered a minimum of at least three subclasses, also including the artificer. Imagine digesting all that info in one go. There have been a lot of episodes on the lower planes and fiends, and quite a bit on general D&D lore. And of course, what's D&D without our dragons? We've covered all chromatics and are working through the metallics right now. I know these are Terry's favorites and have also started becoming one of mine. In fact, you will hear my lovely voice so far on copper and brass, brass being my new love. So uh, it's been a while, and if you're looking for new inspiration or if you've jumped in halfway through, go ahead and dig through our backlog and find some of those hidden gems. Those original Meet the DMs episodes are absolutely hilarious right now if you re-listen to them because now we kind of know a little bit more about Dan, Adam, and Terry. Uh, But for now, let's get back to the show. Okay, guys, so we are back to my favorite part of every one of the class episodes, and that is when we start doing these subclass breakdowns. So for the base bard stuff go back and listen to the previous bard episode where we went through the entire class all of the regular class features these guys are full spell casters they got a wide range of things that they can do bardic inspiration is a major factor remember the die for the bardic inspiration does increase as time goes on so this is kind of what we're dealing with with bards in general but let's now dig into Two of them out of Xanathar's, and Dan's got the new Theros bard yeah. as well. So let's grab our dice, and let's yeah. see what order we're doing this in. Got a 13. I got a 3. I also got a 3. Terry, roll off. Okay, who's going to come? I got a 2. I got a 6. Okay. All right, so... I'll see you in an hour. 
Um, the College of Eloquence Bard from Theros. Um, I am super jazzed about this. I have spent quite a long time going through it, and I've built a few characters just to see kind of how the mechanics blend with each other. And I, I gotta say, Theros really did well with their uh, Oath of Glory and College of Eloquence Bard. Power creep. I I don't know. I think I with the subclasses specifically, no. Other mechanics found in Theros, definitely. No, but I mean specifically, but, is this like is the College of Eloquence overpowered compared to the others? I don't think so. It, it's it's do you say it's one of the top tier for the bard subclasses? I don't think so. I okay. think I think it it it's definitely focuses in on um one of the most bardy bard mechanics that there was and just goes to make that really really good and perform well but i Do don't you get a, a special cod piece is it like gifted to you as one of the magical items um no uh however one of the abilities is called silver tongue but we're just going to move on from there it's not like the goblin king's throbbing member is this not one no of them. no so God, um the everyone can admit like that the base mechanic the base thing about bards that everyone loves to draw on when and a base. lot of their um Plucking the mechanics straight. are pulled off from is the bardic inspiration <laughs> dan you're a fucking hero through this <laughs> no he does it so at third level when you choose this college <laughs> guys silver tongue at third level, uh, you are mastered saying the right thing at the right time. When you make a persuasion or deception check, you treat any d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. It is basically uh, reliable talent just for the social skills. I hate it, but okay, sure, fine. Right? It's game-breaking um, bullshit, but okay, fine. I, I, I used to lean on reliable talent, which is the same thing essentially, so much. And even I thought it was game-breaking as I was playing it. Like, it's ridiculous. I, I, I like it. I, I At third level, this could be pretty powerful because most like reliable talents is at like, what, sixth level is when most rogues get that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it being persuasion and deception and not intimidate. It's just persuasion and deception. Um, I don't find persuasion or deception as being potentially game-breaking. Um, Anytime that you are running an interaction with an NPC... You are going to... I don't need to intimidate if I lie to you. You win. Right, yeah. Yeah. Intimidate is just like the third option for if you are not good at the other two. I disagree. Um, I think each one kind of covers their own equally spaced section on the pie chart, right? Um, The the thing I don't like about this is um, other classes, if it is a... um, I've, I've seen it be a default 8 rather than a default 10. The investigative rogue is an example of that, where uh, their insight is a eight, not a. Not the a mastermind 10. has shit like that as well. That I right. think comes in at an so, eight. So, so I my 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 thing is, you know, wizards pick one, pick a number, and just if you're going to make this kind of this kind of rule, pick one and stick with it. I would err on the side of make it the eight, go a little bit less than half, and it's not even remotely broken. That being said, I'm also a fan of uh, not using the prescribed definition of what a DC is in the Dungeon Master's Guide, where 5 is easy and 10 is medium and of 15. This destroys that, and at level 3. So my my discussion, my my persuasion and social uh, encounters... Even, even with an 8, though, you're getting a minimum, a minimum of 15 on either one of these things. You're never going to intimidate. 
You're just never going to do it. Why would you bother? And there's ways around it, man. Yeah, I, I, I think there's ways around it. I, I don't see Silver Tongue as game I mean, breaking. It, because if, if I had my dog, who's the friendliest dog ever, and I was like, hey, do what I want, or she's going to rip your throat out, I'm just lying to you. You know, it's not... It's Well, not, that's an intimidate. Then, but she's not going to do that. No, but... She would never I, do that. I, and, and even if she would, isn't that persuading? Right? Like, I can, I will accept that argument from a player, especially because they're choosing this character and building a character around this, and this is what they're leaning into, but that's a minimum 15 that you can get on this. Yeah. That's hard. Like, as a DM, I, I do find that game-breaking. At level 3, you've got two skills that are just auto-successes. Yeah, you've removed an entire, like, pillar of the game, almost. No, I, I, I disagree. Um, like... Just because when it comes to social encounters, there's a bunch of um, peripheral modifications to the to the situation. There's a lot of other things considering it, uh, with all of the social encounter. But if you're going rules as written, that means that you are passing without difficulty every difficult, every hard encounter that you have here. Well, no, hard is 20. 15 is intermediate. It's a medium difficulty. But but I, I I get what you're saying. Anyways, we're going to move on. Uh, also, at third level, you get unsettling words. Um, you spin words laced with magic that unsettle a creature and cause it to doubt itself. As a bonus action, you could use one of your bardic inspiration and choose one creature you could see within 60 feet of you. Um, you roll the bardic inspiration dice, and that creature must subtract the number rolled from the next saving throw it makes before the start of your next turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... I I really like this, especially if you're you're in a party with other spellcasters, other creatures that are going to cause it to make a saving throw that turn. Right. Mm. The one thing I don't like about this is it mentions nothing about sharing a language to make it work. If that creature doesn't speak common, it is still somehow unsettled by your magic words. Yeah, that's yeah, a little like strange. Tone. Yeah. No. Right. Like I, but like we said earlier. German sounds aggressive easily, right? So if you are saying something nice in German, but you know, you've you've accidentally crossed that line to, into sounding aggressive, then um your message is going to be miscommunicated if you're just relying on tone. Mm. Right? Yeah. And and we could all say that there are many different dialects and languages in this world, um in, in our world where the way you say something drastically changes mm-hmm. the definition of the word. Look at um, Mandarin Chinese and uh, the word shi, right? It can mean a wide gamut of things depending on where you're dropping that accent, right? Mm-hmm. From death to luck, mm-hmm. right? It's it's everywhere. Anyways, um, at sixth level, you get unfailing inspiration where your inspiring words are so persuasive that others feel driven to succeed. When a creature adds your bardic inspiration dice to its ability check, attack roll, or saving throw, and the roll fails, the creature can keep the dice. Huh. So this makes your bardic inspiration stick around and actually land important uh, rolls. Mm, yeah. Unusual, though. Right? Sorry, what level? Six. Okay. This also does not go away if you have another bardic inspiration out. It doesn't mention that. So you could have a few people in your party tapped with this and their next D20 roll. Hmm. Okay. Um, next sixth level, 
College of Eloquence feature. Um, you gain the ability to make your speech intelligible to any creature. As an action, choose one or more creatures within 60 feet of you, um, up to a number equal to your charisma modifier. The chosen creatures can magically understand you regardless of what language you speak for one hour. When you use this feature, you cannot use it again until you finish a long rest, uh, a long rest, unless you expend any spell slot to use it again. It's a free tongues at sixth level. It, we're stacking things too early. Incidentally, by the way, this whole like it sticks around even if there's other things. You can always do that. It's one person can have it at a time. Yes, yeah. So you, you can can't have give it. a person multiple inspiration. No, but you can give inspiration dice to six different people. Yeah, and it'll last for ten minutes. So it, yeah, but no, this thing is really, really front heavy. It it really truly is. Um, I I wouldn't ah, see. But it's I all based off Bardic Inspiration, and it's not giving you more Bardic Inspiration. I will, yeah. I don't like tongues anyway, because it basically removes it. Nullifies a section of the game. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, now, I, now remember, it says they can understand you, not that you can understand them. That's fun. Okay, so what's interesting to me here is that this bard is simply just taking away DM tools. Right. The ability to, to require a certain level of persuasion. Like, oh, it's a DC 14. Well, fuck. Not anymore, it isn't. Welcome to rogues. But, and that is my complaint with rogues, too. Right? So, that's my complaint with the with the paladin saves that they just help you with. It handcuffs it. But it's not just in one thing now. We're doing it with with inspiration dice here, and we're doing it with now you now you have this thing you can always talk to someone. This would be like handing out speak with dead to a level three cleric or level six cleric. It's just a thing you can always do. Well, now my murder mysteries. I've got to get creative with this shit. I got to bend over backwards, and if I'm running out of a module that doesn't take this shit into consideration because it's it was published before Theros came out, yeah, then this is not an encounter anymore. This is a footnote. Right, and so this is it I, is it is definitely something as a DM you should be aware of going into the encounters. I don't think it handcuffs you. I don't think it. This is gonna. It, it forces you to maybe be a little bit more creative with how you build these encounters. The first time that I run into this, someone says, "Hey, can I play the Theros Bard?" I'm gonna go, "Oh yeah, sure. What do they do? Inspiration stuff? Yeah, no problem. Go ahead, go nuts." And then I start to put in these plot points. This is gonna burn me as a DM a couple of times before I'm like, "All right." Hand me the fucking book. What is this nonsense that you're doing? Well, all right, I gotta, I gotta think about everything slightly differently now. Well, on a bright, on the bright side, you can listen to it, uh, episode eighty four of the It's a Mimic podcast, where we cover the college. <laughs> I'm of not gonna part. listen to that shit. <laughs> all they do is talk about the Third I, Reich. It's I want to say, god damn. Um, you, you said that, which was a fair point, Dan. You said it forces you to be more creative. But I think when things are, are are causing the DM to be more creative because they're blocking avenues that they might take, it means that you have to get a little bit funny with things where, like, when you get creative, it also means that people are going to start to argue what you're doing. Hey, what's that weird thing that you're doing now? That you, wasn't a thing The other before. thing, too, is that you're making the DM creative, but you, the player, are not getting more creative. You're relying on a fucking mechanic, right? Yeah, it, 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 I don't see how this is any different from any other class. fun. Right? Because the whole point of D&D is we be creative how we come around these problems. We don't just go page three so as I can fucking automatically do this. Yeah, but the way I view it is you have, uh, as I've mentioned before, there are some 
uh, spaces in the writing where they've intentionally, in my mind, put some ambiguity for you to be able to pull on as a DM hmm. or as a player. The fact that your uh, universal speech ability doesn't let you be able to understand yeah. them, yeah. I think, is key to this, right? Where you are basically just giving out orders. Remember, Theros is all about the big damn hero, right? So the College of Eloquence Bard, their whole thing is to be persuasive and uh, um, to wield a blend of logic and theatrical wordplay to win over skeptics and detractors with logical arguments and plucking at the heartstrings to appeal to emotions. These guys are orators. They're performers. They're, mm. They are the ones who are telling these stories. They are uh, the legit muses from the Hercules cartoon, right? Who sing the song about going from zero to hero. That is what the bard is. Which was kind of my complaint about the muses earlier was the fact that it was a generality and not a specific thing. Uh, not, yeah. not a sentient creature. Hold on. I just I want to touch back on tongues on this one more time. You keep saying you, they can't, they understand you, but you can't understand them. Yeah. Is it actually tongues? No, no. It, okay. it, it is simply as an action, any uh, one or more creatures within, uh, within 60 feet of you up to a number equal to your charisma modifier, which sure. are three or four or five yeah um the chosen creatures can magically understand you regardless of the language you speak for one hour right and you cannot use this feature again until you long rest or you spend a spell slot that's another thing i want to talk about because i don't see a lot of that happening where it's a long rest ability that you could get back by i don't know spending a doesn't define it a first level spell slot and when you're a full caster that's cheap yeah and you know what i'll say this too the use that I see for this is in social encounters where you can understand this song that I'm singing. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I don't hear... Uh, I I'm hear not... you giving orders or you yelling at, um, like, from the shadows to distract some guards from a, a foreign nation or from a, a race that doesn't speak common. Right? Who, you yell at a bunch of lizard folk and they uh, they understand you clearly. And then I make you roll a deception check so you're gonna get a minimum of 15 on that like you hear where i'm yeah coming i, on, I like, get you yeah, yeah I know. anyways there's one you know, more one ability that, here sorry dan one thing that always gets missed on this stuff and i think it maybe it's just because it'd be too complex is that uh, is accents if i can if the orcs can magically understand me and they're going oh that's like a northwestern human accent that's obviously not us you know you can we can understand a french person a mile off i i i i, I see what you're saying um, is it there, like does there need to be? I, a I don't know. Once no? once there once there is that like bit of magic in it. I mean, it's it's you're not sitting there going omelet do from Maggie, right? Right. Murky buckets, everybody. Like you understand what they're saying, but yeah. like you got yeah. But but there's a big difference between let's say um, so an Inuit person and a Texan person speaking English. It's mm -hmm. true, right? So are is this going to give you? Your accent, the appropriate accent for this, right? And 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 that I have no idea. What, what, because what, what it's about, like donning, it's like donning the guard's uniform and walking up and speaking. If, and if I could, are go, you doing? Don't you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're gonna go. Obviously, you're not from where we're from. You know. You know what? I'm gonna give this to you because I'm I'm gonna take it a step further and I'm gonna say something like um, the Cockney um, dialect. Yeah. Right, where it's just all sorts of slang that I do not understand, but this would make me understand it. 
Yeah, right. And it would make... So this would make your brain interpret it as if a native speaker were talking to you. Yes. And so that's how I would... Look, if you're going into this class anyway, if this is a subclass you chose, this is what... This is the effect that you are under the assumption that's going to be when you take it, right? Here's... I, I, I'm i with you. And I think here's how I would define it on my table if we have a couple like rules lawyers or very raw focused guys at the table. Um, if the If the spell or ability says... They understand you regardless of what language you speak. They hear you as if you're a native speaker. If it says you now have the ability to speak that language, you have an accent. Sure. Right? And I think that's that's where it is. You this, pulling the neo and going, I know in like I know Mandarin now <laughs> is is not the same as Remember, this is magic. This yeah. is not a skill. Yeah. Right. So if that's true, like I, I gotta, I gotta just put that on there that this is a magic thing that we're gonna hand wave a certain amount of this. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Because cool. I mean, if it was, sorry, I know we're gonna move on real quick here. If it was just I a still skill, got one more ability. if it was like, uh, let's just be simple, a human whose second language is Elvish in the game. As far as the elf, I would tell them your accent is atrocious. Yeah, like, you, sound, yeah. you sound like a wood elf. Yeah. Fuck. Oh my god. But if you're magically speaking elfish, I'd be like, oh. Oh, huh. remarkable access. Yeah, I, I would say you. that would depend on charisma. If you are a high charisma person and you are speaking that language and you as a player make a note that you, you know, speak that language like occasionally in the table, either to project a certain persona that you yeah. want to project it depends, or something. Because I would give it to right? high intelligence as well. I'd give it to high intelligence as well. Yeah. 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 Um, although we've all heard incredibly high intelligence people like, I don't know, Dick Van Dyke tried to pull out an English accent and that didn't go well. Well, that's right. We pip, pip, cheerio. I know. Right now. Everybody's watched Pirates of the Caribbean 1. Took him a couple of movies to get it right. So <laughs> He's definitely an Australian pirate for a while. Yeah, for a little bit. Anyways, uh, so at 14th level In of the college. what language is Orlando Bloom speaking <laughs> the whole movie? Uh, four pack a day smoker. Apparently. Yeah. God. I love him now, though. He's brilliant. Yeah. Orlando Bloom. Anyways, uh, when you. Still? Yeah. What's he doing? Uh, being He's married in, um... to Katy Perry. And having a baby. Oh, and doing Carnival Row. No, which Carnival is Row is fantastic. Anyway, we digress. Dan. Yeah. Anyways, when you ins- when you successfully inspire someone with this level fourteenth ability called infectious inspiration, yeah, yes, I, give, I bet. give my, Bart something that says infectious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this will go well. Um, the power of your eloquence can now spread to someone else. When a creature within sixty feet of you a- adds one of your bardic inspiration dice to its ability check, attack roll, or saving throw, and the roll succeeds, you can use your reaction to encourage a different creature other than yourself. That can hear you within another 60 feet of you, giving it a bardic inspiration die without expending any of your bardic inspiration uses. So hold on. Again, so if you give it to someone and they use it and it succeeds, you can essentially say, hey, like that guy just did, you roll it too. Well, you get it as well. Now keep in mind, your sixth level ability means if they fail it, they keep it. They keep it until they succeed. And so if someone. What level is this? This is 14th. What was the 10th? Is there a 10th? There is no 10th. So 10th is just dead for... It is 2 3rd, 2 6th, and a 14th. Hmm. Now, you can use this ability a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, and you regain all expended uses after you use a long rest. So, at 14th level, you definitely have more bardic inspiration than you have the ability to use this. So this is basically just giving you an extra few bardic inspirations that you have to spend a reaction to drop. By 14th level... 
this is strong because your bardic inspiration is a d12 at this point and and um it it will help but this is by no means game breaking as a capstone ability for the college of eloquence by no means game breaking well it's d12 at 15th but yeah you're right okay so d10 here but um 10th is not a, d- a dead level by the way 10th has got you you bump up to a d10 Oh, and it's, you get it's, expertise it's, it's, and you get magical secret. Like there's a bunch. That's not a dead level for Bard. I was thinking of a different class. Yeah. So uh, that is everything that you get in Theros. I think it is strong, but I don't think it's overpowered. Um, it's It's got that one little uh, uh, silver tongue mechanic, but everything else is just making your Bardic Inspiration better without ever giving you more until 14th where you kind of get more. Yeah, it's, it is good for this, such a PC answer. It is good for the type of player that likes to play that character, but it is not what I enjoy, which is buffing other people well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exclusive buffing yourself well. Yeah, yeah, you really, you really buff it well. Yeah, yeah I don't. Uh, I, I, he buffs his Jimmy. He buffed it's a Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. I I like to uh, d- debuff the enemy. Well, that's always fun. That's when you put clothes on them, so they're no longer in the buff. <laughs> yeah, okay. Probably. Yeah, Reverse sex, we call that in my house. <laughs> Isn't that when you just back up into the other... Pr- Never mind. Nah, no. Anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know. This, I, I don't give a shit about the 14th level ability. Um, I would dip into Bard for six levels for this. I'm going to get my 14th level, whatever it is from the other subclass, of whatever other charisma player or character I'm playing. So, Paladin with this, the first... Because it's so front-heavy, right? With the mm-hmm. first six levels of, of Eloquence. Or a Sorcerer or a Warlock with the first six levels of Bard. It does feel like this is a go-to grab. If you want to be really, really, really good with a multi-class into Bard. I like the idea of a Bard that switches to Warlock. Like, they're just not making it. Right? Well, I like the I idea would... of a Warlock who just becomes more eloquent as he goes. Especially, what's the one where you get Psychic? Abilities. Uh, uh, great old one. Well, see, the great old one is like, hey, you know what? You're also really good at convincing people. Let's build a cult. Yeah. Right? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it that way around as well. I was thinking more, I would give anything to be famous. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, that would be Warlock of Fiend, wouldn't it? Crossroads Demon? Well, not necessarily. I, I feel like they would go with Archfey really well. Yep. Anyway. So who's next? Uh, that'd be me. College of Swords. Uh, this is the swashbuckler version of a bard. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get a swashbuckler as a rogue, and I like it well enough. This is what I want instead. Just because, again, full caster and this shit, so bear with me. Okay. It's not quite as masturbatory as the eloquence one, it's but quite it's as, up there. It's not quite as what, did you say? Masturbatory. Okay. Yeah. It's not beating itself off in the shower for 45 minutes as the eloquence bar Sometimes is. Adam says words that I don't know what they are. <laughs> it's your language. language. <laughs> I, know. I know. I'm getting more stupid as I get older for sure. Stupider, Terry. I know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you guys say my words in the most fucked up way anyway. I have no idea what you're talking you're about. You're talking about Terry. 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 All right. So. Um, this is another one that is front loaded and I like it quite a bit because it's not, it's not stacking shit on top of shit. You just get some, um, you get some martial proficiencies with this one. You just, the first thing you get is bonus proficiencies at third level with College of Swords. 
You gain proficiency with medium armor and the scimitar. That's a weird mix. If you're proficient with a simple or martial melee weapon, you can use it as a spellcasting focus for your uh, bard spells. All right. I like that. Okay, yep. yeah. I All like right. that you get medium armor. I think the scimitar feels really fun for pirates. Like Prince of Persia kind of feels it's to it as well. not used often enough. Yeah, well, it's because it's scimitar. a D6. Yeah, but scimitars are, are actually relatively powerful, too, for a couple of other reasons. And they're light, right? They're light I, I think they're finesse, even. I think they're finesse, but I don't think they're light. Shit. I will double check. That. Next character. Third level is you get a fighting style, but you only get to choose from two. Dueling, which means that if you are wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you gain a plus two bonus to your damage rolls right. with the weapon. And defensive is my guess for the next No, two-weapon fighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that makes sense. So when you engage in two-weapon fighting, you can add your ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. Scimitar, Dan? Scimitar is a 1d6, three-pound weapon that is finesse and light. That's why it's, That's why I say it's powerful, because you can have a scimitar in both hands. Yeah, a rapier, still, by the way, is 1d8 piercing that is just finesse, not light. You can't wield two rapiers at a time. So, there we go. At the beginning, you can cast spells with your weapon. Um, as long as it is simple or martial, which, I mean, I think everything is. But it has to be melee weapon. So, as long as you're holding your scimitars, they're your spellcasting focus. You can have one in each hand. You're not hurting for this. You're casting spells while wielding swords. Mm. In my head, I really like the idea of smashing the blades together to make a tone and then using it to cast your spells on the... Like you said, the tuning fork. Yeah. Or or even like you're you're using the sounds of the scraping. Like you're more percussive with it. Not just like yeah. causing the tone, but like the sound of like the thunking of the wood. Or I'm the scraping sorry. along the stone. Shield gong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, you're using yeah. two weapons. I mean, you got a buckler on or something. You just use the barbarian's like forehead. <laughs> there is no buckler in 5th edition. Not officially. That's a fucking crime. Anyway, uh, at 3rd level, still. So all three of these things are 3rd level. Okay. You learn to perform impressive displays of martial prowess and speed. So you get a blade flourish, which means whenever you take an attack action on your turn, your walking speed increases by 10 feet until the end of your turn. Yay, more fast fuckers. And if a weapon attack that you make uh, as part of this action hits, then you can use one of the three following things. Oh. And you don't have to choose when you when you get this feature. You can do it a different one for every different attack. Really? Yeah. So this is where it gets really fun and interesting. Defensive flourish, which means that you expend one of your bardic inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit. It equals um, the damage equals the number that you rolled on the inspiration dice, but you also add that number to your AC until the start of your next turn. That's awesome. Sorry, what number? I missed the first. I'm sorry. Oh, whatever you roll on your Bardic Inspiration inspiration die. So when you hit with that attack, you're adding a bunch of damage, but that number you is four, also you add four to your AC. Yeah. Keep in mind, and at this point, damage. you have... Is this like Serial Pharrell or something? You have, yes. medium, yeah. you, have, you have medium armor at this point, too. So you're walking around with 16, 17 AC stock. Yeah, and your okay. Bardic Inspiration is going to get up to a D12 eventually, Okay, right? hold my fighter, let me play a Bard. The, okay, and that's only the first one. You have two other options. Remember, you still have ninth level fucking casting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and on top of that, you're going an extra 10 feet, so you can, like, 
So Sud- suddenly these attacks of opportunity don't don't hurt so much. Yeah, and right? that's also when you would be using the mobile feat anyway. Like no one's yeah. like, oh, I'm mobile, I can run across the forest faster than everybody else. You're using it now, right? Yeah. So now it's you get that for free. I legit use mobile to do that all the fucking time. We play D and D differently, Dan, <laughs> yes, but I do. enjoy having you in a game. So um, there's also slashing flourish where you can expend one use of your bardic inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target that you hit. And to any other creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of you. The damage equals the number you roll in the Bardic Inspiration die. So again, it's the same thing, but instead of you adding it to your AC, you're doing that to everyone else that is adjacent to you that you can see. Oh. So you can walk into a mob of people. You can hit that one guy, roll your Bardic Inspiration. Let's say you roll a five. You will do an additional five damage to him. It's slashed. And to everyone else that around, just that five damage. It's slashing it across the four. Around, around the five feet around you. Around you, not yeah. around them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's called slashing flourish. Do you give this with piercing and bludgeoning weapons as well? Absolutely. But yeah, why yeah. would you? Because you're getting a scimitar, and that is the best thing you can do because you can dual wield it. There's not a whole lot of bludgeoning and piercing weapons that are going to be light and finesse and. You know, like there are some options out there. Like there's like your club. I mean, I, I this this is this is your opportunity to play a high strength bard wielding a great sword. But then you're not going to get dueling or two weapon fighting. Fair, but I mean, which means that you're not, you're not doing that. But you are able to hit multiple things in a circle around you with a great sword. Congratulations, you you are able to use a great sword better than a fighter. I love the idea of this. Um... What are they called in Game of Thrones? Golden Sons or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Daenerys's peeps. Yeah. 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 Alright, so the last one is you can expend one use of your bardic inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target that you hit. The damage equals the number you roll on the bardic inspiration die, which is the same as the, all the other ones, but then you can also push the target up to five feet away from you plus whatever that number is on the die, another number of feet that equal that. So when you get a D10 or D12, you can push them up to like 15 feet away from you. Right, gets a little bit. It can get a little bit ugly if you're doing grid play, but I don't know, round it up, round it down. I, I, I would round up, round down to the closest. Just, five. just make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, but you square. can then immediately use your reaction to move up to your walking speed to an unoccupied space within five mm-hmm. feet of the target, which does mean you can get behind them. It does not walk up to them. You whatever your walking speed is as a reaction. So you're not even using the rest of your movement if you right. have more. I like this because you guys know if I'm how I play D&D. I like to put the enemy on the back foot from where they're reacting to my bullshit. And this is making the enemy spend their turn reacting to your bullshit. Yeah. Can I just say as a DM, uh, and I, I want to speak into this. If you roll a, oh, fucking no, an eight, right? And you're trying to add that eight to it. DMs, please just round to the closest five, including if they if if they roll an eight and you want to push them another ten feet, just give them the ten feet. Yeah, it's there's no point splitting hairs over. Oh well, I'm going to make a little mark on the grid here so that we remember it's eight feet. It's not what or it's or, or just, automatically just going to the lowest closest five. Yeah, that 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 just sounds like the midpoint. DMing. The midpoint is seven point five or two point five. If if yes, yeah. yeah. So. Play the game. So just, three and four goes up, one or two goes down. This is a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. It's, right? or, or it's even a matter of, I pushed him seven and a half feet. So he's here. Okay, well, he's uh, he stood with his uh, feet shoulder width apart. So there we go. There's ten feet. Boom. Honestly, <laughs> if, if you're Canadian, we already do this with pennies. 
So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, if the math is what the are same, those? Um, yeah. And what the hell is a feat anyway? <laughs> yeah, you can actually uh, instead of using an ability score improvement, you can get a meter. <laughs> oh, that could prob- fucking problem solved. <laughs> um, all right, so at sixth level, you get extra attack. Okay, you're you're a melee bard. Sure, yeah, do your thing. And then at 14th level, you get Master's Flourish, which means at 14th level, when you use any one of those three Blade Flourish options, you can roll a d6 and use it instead of expending a Bardic Inspiration die. Hmm. I like it. I like it. Your Bard's turn now takes for fucking ever. Well, uh, no, it's no different with that. I'm just going to, instead of me rolling the d10 and, and putting a little check mark on my page, I'm just going to roll a d6 instead. I'm going to keep the Bardic Inspiration for somebody else where it matters more. I also, I, I see the, uh, just as commentary on this, I see the College of Swords being really closely aligned with, say, like a Battlemaster fighter. But I feel like College of Swords gets that little bit of additional oomph because... Ninth level caster. Well, ninth level caster, but if you go just with their martial ability, the, the um, College of Swords gets that little oomph because they will never, ever, ever run out of their uh, flourishes. Whereas a Battlemaster... Uh, well, you will before level 14. High level you're talking about. 14th yeah, level. And above. A, a high level um, Battlemaster fighter will run out of superiority dice easily. I would love to see this idea of, okay, you get like a D4 superiority at all times if you don't want to expend one of your things. It's right. just a lesser dice. Yeah, I I really love this character to play. But if somebody shows up to the table and they're playing this character and I'm playing and I'm playing Battlemaster or a champion fighter or a Hexblade Warlock or something, I'm like, well, fuck, just DM, just kill my character. Well, no, yes and no. I mean, I, I don't think this like if I don't think this overpowers the Battlemaster fighter to the extent of ruining the Battlemaster's uh, fun because the Battlemaster gets more options. Yeah, they get more powerful dice. They are few of them and they don't get the. Um, and you get to move other people. Like, there's a lot more that you. There's can do. a lot more. Yeah, you, can you are do playing it. the game in a different way, and I think you're right. Maybe it's just because this is fresh and exciting to me that I, now the idea of being like. But it, it's true though. If I if I rocked up to a game and I was like, I'm playing a champion fighter again, and this showed up, I'd be like, fuck, just let me do over. Yeah, honestly, it's a uh, it's a yes. This feels far more martial than a battle master does. And the only reason I say this is because the Battlemaster sits on the back and controls everybody else. Yeah. This is Zoro. Yeah. Yes. Right? And that's that's how I feel about this guy. Also, remember, you're going to rely on... You only have a certain number of Bardic Inspiration, which is your proficiency modifier. Hard stop. Right? And you regenerate them on a long rest. So you need to hold them as much as possible. Your Bardic Inspiration? Yep. You yep. get them on a short rest after 5th level. I'll tell you why I like this character, because it has the flavor of somebody who isn't fighting with honor, but is just fighting to win, however, so the idea of, like, I imagine almost that kind of Jack Sparrow way of fighting. It's like, if I'm slashing my sword, why just hit you? I'm going to hit these three guys as well. I'm also going to chest kick you 15 feet away from me as we do this, because that's the way to win. It's not the honorable way to win, but that's the way to win. Uh, and I'm going to kick a lot of people it. off of ledges. Yeah, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. Into fires. I'm playing with, with the environment a little bit more, which is why I like this. Yeah, you don't have to move up to them when you do your mobile flourish. Yeah. Also, can I just say sentinel feet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, with this? Jesus. 
you're 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 laughing with this. Like yeah. there's there's a lot going on that you can do. Mobile feet, sentinel feet. There's polar master. No, because it's called you need your scimitars, Dan, to pull this shit off. I know that you keep keep looking at two handed weapons and stuff, but well, no, you don't. You don't need to use can I do, your. I can do this with dual whips, though, right? Yeah, you don't need to use the scimitars or the everything else to get your uh your flourishes. No, but why? Why would you? Is my point when you have because you have a reach of ten feet and deal a one d ten damage, and can attack when someone moves into your threat range, and then you're sacrificing one of your attacks. Yeah, you're, no, you're sacrificing your bonus action attack, which you would use to expend your bardic inspiration, or maybe cast a, a bonus spell of some sort. Like to do two weapon fighting, you still have to use your bonus action. Yeah. Right. This, I'd like if you go with a big fuck off weapon with this guy, it works just in other ways. Yeah. You don't have to go Flavor the dervish. Thing. You just go the 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 like oh, the I'm you guys. Have you guys ever seen uh, Twelve Samurai? Nope. No. What's it about? It it's a old Kurosawa film. Is this the one where they're all stuck in the um in the jurors room deliberating? Oh god, I hate you people. Anyways, there is there is one guy <laughs> who's got the like die katana, which is a massive, massive uh like katana. Antonio Banderas learns the language okay, overnight. Okay, you guys fucking watch more movies. I can't believe I just told Adam to watch more movies. Anyways, <laughs> Uh, I, Terry, I, I loved fighting with the glaive, so I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Terry, go ahead. What you yep. got for us? I have College of Glamour, which is obviously the college I went to, Dan. Um, look, I'm just going to read from the book for the first couple of lines of this one. I think is the easiest way to explain it. The College of Glamour is the home of bards who mastered their craft in the vibrant realm of the Feywild or under the tutelage of someone who dwelled there. So tutored by satyrs, eldren, and other Fey, these bards learned to use their magic to delight and captivate others. These are your showmen. Yeah, the Freddie Mercury's. Yeah, is what I'm seeing. These here. are your unabashed rock stars, like glam metal. That's what you get with a college. But you, the people that you can't help but love, or at least listen to, they just kept, they walk into the room and they captivate the audience. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's start with the mantle of inspiration. So when you join the College of Glamour at third level, you gain the ability to weave a song of fey magic that imbues your allies with vigor and speed. As a bonus action, you can expend one use of your bardic inspiration to grant yourself a wondrous appearance. When you do so, choose a number of creatures you can see and that you can see within 60 feet of you up to a number equal to your charisma modifier. Each of them gains five temporary hit points. When a creature gains these temporary hit points, it can immediately use its reaction to move up to its speed without provoking opportunity attacks. The number of temporary hit points increases when you reach certain levels in this class, increasing to eight at fifth level, 11th, uh, sorry, 11 at 10th level, and 14 at 15th level. I like this because this is the bar that's standing behind the row of party members. And then he hits the first couple notes of Final Countdown and everyone just gets jazzed yeah. and runs forward. Wondrous Appearance sticks with like the Freddie Mercury type yeah. thing. Or well. David Bowie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, David Bowie, definitely. Adam, thoughts on this one? Uh, this is standard to me. I, I've seen a couple of Glamour Bards. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like Glamour Bards. Right. But they feel like the Bon Jovi of the Bardic subclasses. Yeah, I'm like, getting that. Like, a, type metal, a, yeah. Everybody, everybody's Play, gonna play one of these you're, everyone's gonna see one at a table but I don't know why it's anyone's first choice yeah like it's it's track seven it's track seven <laughs> right? like on, on my compilation yeah like on my playlist it's 
you know, it's are the tra- track seven on the album? I, I no, no. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not downloading the Glamour Bard album. Yeah, in its entirety. <laughs> I'm I'm picking and choosing for the playlist. Do you? Do, so I tell you why I like it because leaning into what I just previously said, it's I like the enemy having to react to my bullshit, and if I can now get everybody on my team to move up to their speed without provoking opportunity attacks, I have reset the entire board in on my turn. And guess what? That enemy's now got to, that DM has now got to think quickly on their feet. Like yep. everything has changed instantly. And I'm all about that. I, I talk a lot about the use of movement, how I think it's not used well enough in D&D, and that's what I like to do. But now I'm giving everybody the opportunity to move. Those people that are in those shit situations where they're like, they've got no cover. Hey guys, I'm over here. What the fuck? They can now move and they can, we can change everything. Yeah. We can get the whole team out of the line of fire. Immediately. You immediately... Yeah, no, no, you're, okay. you're completely you right. Guys are right. <laughs> okay. Um, enthralling performance. Starting at third level, you can charge your performance with seductive fey magic. If you perform for at least one minute, you can attempt to inspire wonder in your inspire wonder in your audience by singing, reciting a poem, or dancing. At the end of the performance, choose a number of humanoids within 60 feet of you who watched and listened to all of it up to a number equal to your charisma modifier... Each target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or be charmed by you. While charmed in this way, the target idolizes you. It speaks glowingly of you to anyone who talks to it and it hinders anyone who opposes you, although it avoids violence unless it was already inclined to fight in your behalf. This effect ends on, a tar- on the target after one hour. If it takes any damage, if you attack it or if it witnesses you attacking or damaging any of its allies... If a target succeeds on its save throw, the target has no hint that you tried to charm it. That's important. Once you use this feature, you can use it again. You can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. That is a uh, long way to charm a group of people. Yeah, I, and I know what I. What I is, hate it. It's weak as shit. It is It's never going to come up. Okay, look. Anything. Anything after level seven is going to be immune. Like CR seven monsters are all immune to charm. Yeah, and and beyond. You're, it, it, there's stuff out there. I'm not. That's a parable. Like, there's not all of them are right. Yeah. Um, we ch- charmed is something we got to fix anyway in D and D. Like, I feel like I can talk hyperbole. for a while on it. Hyperbole. It was a hyperbole, not a parable. Yeah, no, or a, no parabola. Parakeet. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say a paratrooper, but we'll, we'll go with parakeet. Um, no, I, I, I just, I don't think that this is. This is great for three or four uses in early tier two in social situations mm-hmm. when you're not dealing with elves and and gnomes and fey creatures and things that are going to be resistant inherently to anything where they've got high wisdom saves or they just the races it's that aren't level. charmed or there's you're fighting town guard or something and they're falling for it you know yeah but but they've got to watch your entire performance ahead of time right like you're not whipping this out in combat I'm just I don't know. I'm, this is never so, going to come up. It's going to come up twice and be moderately useful for you to have a groupie for an hour. That's right. Mm-hmm. It gets to a point where this is redundant, yeah. but the other class's abilities are, are not. They can still use their abilities, and this is stupid. This is the one where I'm reading through it, whether or not I want to use College of Glamour, and I get to this ability, and it makes me turn the page to the next one, because I'm like, ah, I'm already turned off. Yeah. I mean, you are getting a bunch of other stuff at third level. As a DM, I'm looking at this going, okay. I can build an NPC off this. This to me is an NPC. NPC. Yeah, you're right, Dan. 100%. And a fun NPC. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, but I never base my NPCs off of shit that the players are 
are restricted by, right? Mm. The players need to be balanced against themselves and against CR ratings and DCs, right? They don't need to be balanced against NPCs or bad guys or yeah. or special named dragons. We, we don't do that. We've got CR 30 shit over there because our, our, everything else doesn't need to be balanced against it. The PCs have to be balanced against each other. Right. So my NPCs, just can you fucking do this? It's just, just I, I don't need these limitations. Up to your proficiency modifier. No, fuck that noise. I don't give a shit about your charisma. Yeah. No, he's going to do it to 19 people because that's the number I chose because I'm DM, motherfucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> One black cherry cider. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's what we drink on this podcast. Okay, Mantle of Majesty. At 6th level, you gain the ability to cloak yourself in fey magic that makes others want to serve you. Oh, yes. My life. As a bonus action, do you, you have to be. Do you have to have them strapped into one of Dan's pieces of furniture? <laughs> Dan's now rubbing his eyes with exhaustion. I'm glad you said eyes. As a bonus action, you cast Command without expending a spell slot, and you take on an appearance of an unearthly beauty for one minute or until your concentration ends, uh, as if you're concentrating on a spell. During this time, you can cast Command as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot. Any creature challenged by you automatically fails at saving throws against the command uh, you cast with this feature. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long or short rest. Sorry, just a long rest. Do they do they know they've been charmed? It doesn't no. say. Uh, I would say no. Why? Because this to me pairs up with the enthralling performance. If if they succeed on the saving throw, they don't know. That's detailed in the enthralling performance, the one we just talked If about. you're triggering that. Because you you can trigger this outside of a however long that performance. Yes, is. then it depends on what the the charm is, right? No. Um, I mean, this functions as command, right? It's just creatures you that are charmed by you don't get a saving throw. Yeah, you're just spamming command. This seems really broken to me. Mm. Uh, at, yeah. at early levels, well, and then you're gonna get past this real quick. You get this at sixth level, and I mean, the command is the one word, right? So again, you've got to be pretty creative in what that one word is. And then the DM is the one who controls how they respond to what that one yeah, word Yeah, I mean, if you're fighting ogres and Eddins and low intelligence people, it's always good, but it gets to a point where you're not doing that, you know? Yeah, this is another one that I feel like just... I mean, it's neat. I like the idea that as far as they're concerned, David Boy goes away and Ziggy Stardust shows up. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, that's that's fun, but... I'm, I don't, I don't care mechanically, right? When you put this up against the, the College of Swords or even the College of Eloquence, those are useful in combat. Yeah. They are useful at the drop of a hat to be used all the time. College of Glamour, I love it for flavor. It just sucks for mechanics so far. Yeah. Which is why I think MPC. You're right. And we're at the sixth, we've gone through three abilities here, and I'm not wild like I was wild with College of Swords. Um, okay, what about this then? Unbreakable Majesty, a 14th level, your appearance permanently gains an otherworldly aspect that makes you look more lovely and fierce. So, like Fae, right? In addition, as a bonus action, you can assume a magically majestic presence for one minute or until you are incapacitated. Interesting. For the duration, whenever any creature tries to attack you for the first time on a turn, the attacker must make a charisma saving throw against your spell save DC. On a failed save, it cannot attack you on this turn and it must choose a new target for its attack or the attack is wasted on a successful save. It can attack you on this turn, but it has disadvantage on any saving throw it makes against your spells on your next turn. Jesus. Once you assume this magic, um, this majestic presence, you can't do it again until you finish a short or a long rest. What level? 14. 14. Way too late for this. 
Uh, way too late, and I have a editing issue. What's that? Um, there, there's a phrase I've never heard out of Dan before. Jesus. <laughs> At 14th level, your appearance permanently gains this otherworldly effect. And then as a bonus action for one minute, you could do this thing, and you can't do it again until you finish your short rest. But you still so are you like permanently beautiful? Or like no, no. Fu- so so what happened was you went, you got your, you got braces, you got your teeth straightened, and they got whitened, and you had a little bit of a nose job, and now you're even better at this. Shit. And it, but it makes you look more lovely and fierce. So, but then has no mechanical bonus. But what do you what do you picture with that? Like just flavor. David Bowie, Lady Gaga. It's like David she Bowie is, when is. he really starts like dressing up and started dating. Well, all that's like not- the- Fierce, is it? I mean, it's fierce. No, no, one hundred percent. But if if David Bowie walked into this room right now, one, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> but if David Bowie walked into this room right now, I would be intimidated. I think it, all of us would be intimidated. There's just something about David Bowie that is intimidating. No, you're on your own with that. I don't give a fuck about <laughs> He's Bowie. That's like saying Prince is intimidating. Prince is intimidating. He's one of the best musicians who ever lived. And I will fucking yeah, but fight But he's you. not intimidating to look at. No, 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 no. Dan means that like, this, this person is famous. I'm intimidated by their fame. And right. their no, no, no. I'm, I'm, and I'm intimidated by their talent. I'm intimidated. And by Bowie, by the way he carried himself. Uh, that doesn't... It, look, just because you can strut wearing but tight pants an, doesn't it's an, mean... It's an act, though, right? This is, like, looks more lovely and fair. Yeah, no, you guys no. clearly weren't Bowie fans like I was. I was a massive Bowie fan, massive Prince is fan. Is that so. what that is? I don't know, man. Bowie... Bowie... Why does Prince record his songs so quiet? What's all that about? Why does he record his songs? I just feel like the songs are always recorded quieter than the other tracks. Turn up a fucking volume, Yeah, Terry. but then I gotta turn it down for the next track. Just fucking record it at the same volume as everybody else. I think it's because it's supposed to be like love making songs where you're wooing women, so you come down to this. It's like it, it, it's like maybe who is it? Um, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, never he, he never recorded a loud screaming song. Did you know that I took inspiration from Prince for Detective Martin Claude Noir? Did you? Was that with the uh, the, the high heels? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, I uh, I don't really. I don't care about this. No, I and and that's the end. So oh, there we go. Again, the College of Glamour Bard sounds um, one either like a challenge to an experienced player, yeah, to be able to do this well even in later levels, or as a ballin NPC once or maybe yeah, twice. It's just how you're going to flavor it. Like you can do Prince David Bowie, or you could go like full lioness like Beyonce and be like. Fierce, but that's just flavor. I like the first the first ability, but after that, I'm like, what? Bum, 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 wow, pretty much. Like, there's nothing else here. I'm not no. right. Well, well I, I I view it like Adam. The College of Swords is a it focus uh focuses a lot on the martial ability of a bard. Mm-hmm. The College of Eloquence focuses a lot on the bardic inspiration abilities of the bard. I think the College of Glamour Bard really opens it up to really direct you how to use your spell casting ability as a bard very, very well. Right. Because it assumes a lot with the charming, with the dropping its uh its uh saving throws and whatever you need to do. Like I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that addled lore. No one hundred percent you are. Lore does this better. Yeah. I I like it for flavor. I do love this for flavor. And I think that a three level dip into this isn't gonna hurt anybody. I played one. I have played one. Yeah. How was it? 
Uh, he was a goblin bard, and he was introduced to the campaign uh, with pyrotechnics on a boat. So it went about as well as the you would expect. Undan thing ever. Oh yeah, no, like Dan doesn't even like marketing. Dan doesn't even like saying, "Hey, I'm good at this thing." Oh, I, I very, very specifically played this character to draw attention to himself. Good. I ended up like charming one of the party members who was a, I believe, a half dwarf or half orc or Goliath. He was a big race, and I, I wrote him. Sorry, you what? Wrote him. Like, I, I made him carry my bard everywhere so I could get above the crowd and, you know, do my do my act. Right. Um, and uh, when the charm finally broke, the murderous rage that came from this guy made my bard go away. And I haven't played him since. Oh. Yeah. But uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing him. Really? But again, low level and flavor. Only, yes. Right? Yeah. I, I think he was level four. Maybe level three. I just don't find them useful after level three. Yeah. And that's it. By the time sure. you end tier one, I'm like I'm done. Yeah, Low level one shot it. It's fun for like, yeah. yeah. Yep. But he's in space. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> do you want to tell everybody what your fucking name was, you hackneyed son of a bitch? I wasn't going to do that because uh, I'm calling you again. Out. I'm calling you out. Apparently this was this is a judgment zone. Okay. What was your yeah. character's name, Dan? Was it David Bowie? <laughs> almost. Actually almost. His Why name do I sound like a Dalek? His, his name was Rojam Mott. <laughs> Which is Major Tom. Backwards. Fuck you. <laughs> right? Right? God damn. I wouldn't let you play my game. I, I would like to point out, Rojan Mott is a great name for a goblin. It sounds it sounds like a name that a goblin Rojan Mott sounds like a Jamaican orc. It sounds, like, it sounds like the brand of a jam. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Fish jam. This is Dan's D&D character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to cut to a... To a Fucking shout out. Hey guys, it's Adam again. I wanted to kind of drop a little note in your ear. Most of you will already know this, but for those of you who don't, that are interested in DMing or just making your new original content, maybe you've got a great homebrew idea, something that you implement in your games all the time, and you just want to see how other people are doing it, head over to DMs Guild. DMs Guild is an online repository, of, not suppository, calm down Terry, a repository of a bunch of Dungeons & Dragons material that other people, third parties, are publishing. Wizards supports it. It's not official, but some of it is very, very, very good. There are some official materials that are available on it, and there are things that they've kind of adopted as semi-official as well. Uh, and there are some really cool things out there that people are putting up. A lot of different smaller modules and campaigns. If you ever saw it, sat there and thought to yourself, hey, how come we never got this kind of campaign? I bet there's something like that on DM's Guild. A lot of it you got to pay for, but it's cheap. And you get the full PDF. And there's also a lot of free information on there as well. A lot of it for a limited time. They cycle through free things all the time. Go check it out. It's a great resource beyond just the standard unearthed arcana. So, go look into it. Have fun. And use your common sense because all of it needs to be taken with a grain of salt. It is homebrew and not play tested. But it's a great opportunity for you to find inspiration. Again, that's www.dmsguild.com. Now, let's get back to the regular conversation. All right, so now we are back with, I think, all of our general favorite parts of, of these is 
the unique usage yep. of them. Uh, so let's grab our dice and roll. I got a 10. Uh, Adam fucked it up. I got an 11. Terry got a what 20. What the fuck is that? Oh, it's, it's a, a 20. 20. It's a Kraken dice. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Kraken. So it's a crab with a hot air balloon? No, it's a squid, but... It's crack-a-lackin' is Whatever. what it is. Anyways, you got a natural 20. What's your what's your unique character build? Oh, I, I think I'd like to lean into, for the College of Glamour, the... You don't say. Fi- well, that's my... Can I finish my bloody sentence <laughs> right there? First, before I... Jesus, pr- judgment zone, Dan. I know. Calm down. Okay, look. I like misery in my D&D. You I don't like, say! And I like corruption. I like darkness. But at the same time, I also like beauty and very shallow things. So, I so like you're going to make the disturbed lead singer of the D&D world as a college glamour bard. Doing like drama. Darkness, my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> that was Simon and Garfunkel, you fuck. Yes, no, disturbed he, also did it. He covered it. Famously. David, yeah, David Draymond. Yes, yes. I've been listening to Disturbed since, I don't know, forever. But I did enjoy them. Anyway. It's also in Trolls. Hello. I've got kids. Okay, let me mix Disturbed and Beauty and come up with some sort of... I like the idea of the, the act when you're on stage, but behind the scenes you're a fucking nightmare. That's what I want. So they're the person that's going out, kissing babies and shaking hands. Freddie Mercury, but wonderful to be here, darlings. But then when they go backstage, the water, and they're not even looking at who's bringing in the water. So you're Ellen DeGeneres, like, gotcha. Okay, well, look, I said it. Um, but I like the idea of the behind the scenes. It's almost like politicians. They're scheming and they're corrupt and they're backstabbing stabbing and they're jealous and they're envious. The College of Glamour Bard would be a great fucking politician. That's that it would because well you could go like House of Cards type Kevin yeah. Spacey's character. I forget his name. I've watched it in a little while. Um, Frank Frank Underwood Underwood. Underwood. Yes, you I almost said Frank Castle. I'm like, that's a different show. You could go that way, or you could go full like how some people out there I've never met us say like Ariana Grande X like behind stage or like Lady Gaga like where to the crowd they're wonderful and it's wonderful to be here. Fucking nightmare behind the scenes, and but I would really, really D and D exaggerate where they're very corrupt and they're very uh, um, jealous and probably deep rooted insecurity, but just absolute savage. How cutting uh, words? Evil campaign? Uh, no, I think because you're on stage in front of everybody, right? And so everybody can be you can be selfish. You can just be cynical and sarcastic and a little bit selfish and stuff. Until they're like, okay, now we need you to go distract that guard. I'm like, oh, fuck, all right. Hello, darling, over here. And you're just full of shit all over the time. Because, but that's all you know. Because you grew up in the Disney Channel. And that's what you think reality is, right? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's to you, is normal. And I think it doesn't need to be an evil campaign. I think that person is just lost. Not lost, they've just never really been found. I, I like the idea of like we mentioned the embarrassments or the or the things and you're just like a child uh, actor. Yeah. Like you or, are you are a famous child actor. But you're I, getting I, older now. You're like You're, you're Haley Osmond. You were you're you're, you're, you're you're no longer what, Susie Missouri? I don't know who that is. Well not Hannah Montana. Okay I Miley Cyrus? That's the same person, yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> shit. <laughs> Susie Missouri. I went, but, but did what you just happens, say misery really poorly? But what happens when you're, like, what, that's a great example. What happens when your looks fade? And, you know, and you're clinging on like Madonna and Cher. 
You know, what happens then? You get the nose job and the braces and Absolutely. you, yeah, you reinvent and, and you permanently change your visage, right? Adam, your turn. Uh, you guys remember that bit on The Simpsons where it, the tr- um, Yakuza, the triad, shows up and Homer just wants to see the little guy fight in the middle? Right, like there's all of the like kung fu fighting out the front lawn, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like Marge pulls him back in. He didn't get to see the the short little guy wearing the white suit. In I the mean, middle I of... must have seen it. I just can't remember. It's, been so it's a it's a pretty famous bit. Yeah, yeah. But the guy just sat there and did nothing, and and we were all waiting to see what this guy did. But Homer left, so we heard it, mm. and it was a like screaming and shit in the background. And then he's like, "Oh, I missed it," and like that's the joke was that it was really awesome. My character for my College of Swords is going to walk in with a sword drawn in each hand and just stand still in the middle of the battlefield and wait for them to come to me. My traditional thing is going to be, I'm going to hold my action. I love it. And it allows me to do all this really badass spell stuff as I stand there in the middle or just walk around and through this... this, um, this battlefield, as they come to me, I push them back. Or I they get close and I say, okay, and now my friend needs help. And so I suddenly run way faster than I should be able to. And do this crazy, like, I cut nine guys with one turn. And then stop and say, and now it is your turn. Or I stand there and I just, you know, vicious mockery. Yeah. Right? Like, I just like the idea of the very composed character that stands in the middle of battle and is not breathing heavily and raging like the barbarian or, yeah. or drawing circles on the ground like the wizard getting ready to go shit or I mean, he's not shape changing anything he's just waiting yeah you will come to me i'm i'm a mystical ninja wizard come this, at me bitch yeah this this bleeds that line into monk a little bit as well but monks always want to burst in there because they've got so do much do they speed. though well, oh, they're, they're built to with their speed. Yeah, they're, 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 they're front line. Their yeah. And they get all this evasion shit to be able to get yeah. out of harm's way. The bard is going to is gonna go in there and it's all about reactions and holding your turn. And I just really like this flavor, especially if they're like a creepy nine-year-old girl like the ring. They just walk in and wait. Oh, you're you're playing uh, uh, River from yeah from Firefly from Firefly. Yep, just where you just hear like a bloodbath and you just see like this this tiny little tiny little girl, girl. with yeah. weapons dripping in blood next really? to her. Yeah, Firefly is it good? Yes, it is very yes yes. You should watch it. It's Cowboys in Space, and I and I just sold it the way that you would sell Doctor Who to be uh, uh, an alien in a. In time travel, in a phone booth, right? Okay. I, I'm not really give, doing it justice, but if you're intrigued by cowboys in space, you need to sure. see Firefly. Yeah. And I got a movie, so which is fan fucking tastic, really. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah that that's my pitch. I'm I like the idea of having the blades out, and just everyone should be kind of afraid of me. I like it. Cool. Uh, for mine, um. I love the College of Eloquence Bard since it came out, um, and I've wanted to play one, and I know for a fact I will be playing one soon. Um, so the idea of the character is, um, we, we, we touched on the idea of chasing their muse. My College of Eloquence Bard is a character who is part of an order of knights who wants to um, develop this story, and he needs to get the first hand 
uh, report from the guy who was there who's just been gone for years. But he has no skill with weapons. He has none of that. But he idolizes this guy's entire walk through life. Um, so his uh, whole fascination is generating the story, writing these stories down. As the party progresses, he is the one who is buffing the party. He's kind of helping the party succeed so that he can meet his end goal. He knows of his own inadequacies, but will boost the abilities of those around him to meet the challenge to get him to where he needs to go. Right. Right. So I want to play this as, as a bit more of a reserved character than, than um, the kind of character that's like getting into the fighter and everything. He might even be a bit bookish, like a bit nerdy um, as, as he's going along. Um, but he always knows the right thing to say at the right time um, to build up the party or to advance the party's uh, mission in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, kind of a background character that just has those shots of uh, brilliance right there, right? Um, for my character, this is uh, uh, Brass, I believe. I, I put him as a, a no, Bronze Dragonborn is what I wanted him to be. What about for those that, you know, you've been waiting all week to play D&D, works when shit, you get your four, five, six, seven, eight hours, whatever, to play D&D, and you're just kind of waiting for your moment to do your thing? And, you know, lots of times it's, look how awesome I am in combat, or I can do this and do that. What, where are you going to take your enjoyment from of, oh, I slammed it, I got to showcase my skills there? As the person who buffs the party, you have a certain amount of battlefield control um, that is kind of obfuscated. It's, 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 a, it's not big and flashy and out there, but it, it is incredibly weighted. Um, and incredibly uh, noticeable how a character who is built almost exclusively as a buffer, um, what effect they have on the battlefield, mm-hmm. right? Having someone sling a bardic inspiration and then using their ninth level fucking casting to, to you know, throw that person in a globe of invulnerability or uh, make that person put like them in a crown of madness or something or... Tash's hideous laughter, that person, to knock them out of the battlefield, right? Just from the back. He's not really doing a lot of damage. I mean, I would give him damaging spells. Of course I would. But he's not exactly the vicious mockery one. He's 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 more battlefield control. Right, right. Right? Yeah. There's a certain amount of um, pride and enjoyment that comes from that. I mean, I did that on a very minor level with my arcane trickster. I did enjoy that, like shaping the battlefield, yeah. changing the environment, putting the enemy in positions that is really fucking inconvenient for them to be in. Yeah. Uh, there is a certain level of enjoyment that comes out. Even if it's just as a thankless job, you in the background, <laughs> fucking well, deal with that. Remember, bards also get the ability to heal, right? So this this is the... You can heal people in D&D? <laughs> you fucking played a cleric, Terry. <laughs> it was a war cleric. Are I you know. surprised? <laughs> Can I can I just counter something? I was waiting to see if either of you guys would do this because these are the kind of two bardic subclasses that lean into this. We're talking about buffing people over and over again, and no one said the word cheerleader. Right. Why not literally play a 16-year-old cheerleader, wait for it, with a K-pop persona? So just sitting there super perky and shit all of the time just go, yeah, 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 yeah. And casting your spells and pointing at people. And Don't they have people. like the highest suicide rate ever? 
Do they? I don't know. Yeah. But I really like the idea of just sitting in the back and just like, and I'm going to do, well, I'm not going to walk these these 30 feet in my movement. I'm going to cartwheel my way there and go, ha ha, and then everybody around me just gets this, like, they get a, a buff bonus to, to whatever. I think that's great. You're healed, ha huh? And there's like like a little, a little leg kick up. And, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that. Full light anime. Absolutely. That is exact, but like a cheerleader version of, you can do it! Inspiration, right? And I think she says inspiration, and there's there's, there's like an animation that happens every time she says it, right? We cut like Sailor Moon style yeah, to the... the Pokemon cartoon type stuff. Yeah, yeah there we go. Team Rocket. I, that, that is what I think of when I think of, of these two, the ones that you guys covered, the bards. Right. I, originally, I thought that for Glamour of just being like the cheerleader that's, that's hey, look at me over here and it's going to be fun. And then Eloquence just came out and mechanically did it better. Yeah. Right? So, um, I don't know. I'm... That's kind of what I wanted to see, and you guys both went in totally radically different ways, and I thought it was it was really fun yeah. to see that. Well, if we learned anything from this episode, Dan's was all right, College of Swords was phenomenal, and uh, let's just forget about College of Glamour. So there we go. <laughs> it has its uses. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, Dan's was all right, and... Uh, yeah. yeah, you said it, man. Yeah, Jesus, Dan. I was talking about the German language. You started talking about uh, inspiring speeches. 1940s German yeah. speeches. Didn't did I use the word inspiring? You used the word 1940s German speeches. Yeah, I had the phrase. God damn. Well, that's it for this week's episode on Bards. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsomimic.com or Email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. We're sorry. And make sure to check us out <laughs> next week if you're brave enough when we're covering Beholders. <laughs> oh, God. We'll be covering Stalin. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Okay. You know when you guys are just like hanging out and trying to be creative, whether you're DMing or you are, I don't know, I write sometimes and Dan, you tell stories to your kids and Terry, you furiously masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) What was that, 12 seconds? On, on, on the bright side, this is the warm-up, so this will go in the end of the episode, so we have the entire episode to prove that this is an accurate statement. <laughs> so, God. so what is your muse? What's the thing that inspires you to fiercely masturbate? We don't need a list of porn stars, For that, that, that stroke oh God. of genius that you might have. No, we'll I, I, I want to to you. Well. Hey, I met, I met Christy Mack once in Vancouver. So. I don't even know who that is. Christy yeah, Mack. Yeah, you do. Shut up. You do. Everybody. Dan knows. <laughs> oh, look, Dan oh, knows. I, I, look at, I legit don't know who Christy Mack is. Or as Mack we call is. her. Just a porn star who dated an MMA, MMA fighter. Who, I also don't give a shit about MMA, so that's Well, that's not important part of the story. And he's not important in MMA anyway. Okay. All right. What are we rolling for? Christy Mack, dude? All right. No, okay. So I'm going for... The, no, the muse, the thing. When you're being muse. creative, what's the thing? Nudes. What's the thing that? No, he's goddamn Terry. Okay, so Adam, what's so, your muse? My muse, the thing for me is is I go driving. That's the thing. I hit that that monotonous state of I've driven these same you know like long roads over and over. Can't be a highway. It's got to be back roads, 
but it's got to be something that doesn't have a whole lot of street lights and stop lights. I, I need to be able to zone out. I need to be able to drive out some dark wooded road mm. and just go for like half an hour. Um, and no music, just, just zone out by myself. I do my best creating when I'm just looking at the headlights, hitting the next dotted line on the road over right. and over and over again. And that's the thing that just like drops me into a zone. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And so every time that I hear like, Oh no, there's this sound of like music and, and yeah. the bells chiming is my muse. And I'm like, is that how, is that how that works for other people? Is for me, it's like sinking down like into a comfortable chair so that you can finally relax enough to get your shit out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I like Terry? It. Um, well, my, my, I, my answer is quite boring, which is I do a, like a lot of my thinking in the shower. Um, so like, that's where my space where I can kind of zone out. I take like ridiculously long. See, I told you. I seriously. Take, I'm the guy that takes ridiculously long, bordering suspicious 45 minute showers. Yeah, ridiculously like, even. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, what Terry, I will defend you on this one. Cause I am the same type of person. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will sit in the shower and just soak mostly because, um, it's, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got children running around. It is the only place I can be sure. I can yeah. shut the door, lock it, and will not be disturbed. It's, I could just weep. I could just weep. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's like my, it's, it is that one little breath of, uh, of solitude that I get. So I, I try to extend it as long as I can. Is that like a 45 minute fart where you finally just let it out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, like, for me, the whole showering thing is a ritual. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you shit, you shower, then you shave, right? Like, that's, that's, yeah. That's every single time. Yeah. I no, never understood that. I never understood shitting first and then making the, the bathroom humid. Like, you're just doing yourself a disservice. That shit's in your pores now. <laughs> anyway, Dan, what's your muse? <laughs> I kind of interrupted Thank Terry. You, no, you made my answer more interesting. <laughs> Um, for Stay it, shit in your pores. For me, funny enough. Hang uh, on, wait. Which order am I supposed to do it in? It, uh, Dan, Dan said, "Shit, shower, and shave." And that's yeah, the you one never that shit after you shower. Yeah, because never shit after you shower. That's the most terrible. uncomfortable experience, it, isn't it? Right? And it's and like, it, how do you wipe? You can't wipe. No, properly. you don't. You don't. And you're never clean. No, no, that's right. Yeah, it's just. Are you trying to shave at the same time? Well, where are you shaving? That's that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, key yeah. for this. Yeah, that's but, the yeah. Location, you know, location, if, location. You know, if you just shit and shave in the shower, you will save time. Yeah. Everybody That's knows disgusting. that there is no... <laughs> you just, you're going to get clean anyway. There's soap in the water coming down off the rest of your body to clean your feet. You just mash that cheek no, down no, the fucking no. Right. Everybody knows that 95% of the hair on my body is from my eyebrows up. So, like, it's <laughs> shaving... Doesn't that is not that true much. at all. I'm pretty sure that if you were to pass in front of a, a strong enough light, you would look like you have a force field. <laughs> Just some, like long blonde hair. <laughs> like an aura. Like yeah. a 1980s Fabio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your music? Uh, f- funny enough for me, uh, silence does it for me as well. Like sitting in absolute silence and just letting my brain go um, has always worked. But I have found recently um, what I do for nighttime stories with my kids is we make up a story as we go and the kids give me input. Um, And now that my girls are six, they, uh, they have a lot more, uh, more of an ability to weave a story with me. So I'm I'm finding that right now, more often than not, my kids are, are a bit of a muse and a lot of the campaign beats that I have written into stories that I've put at a table with, you know, a table full of 30 something adults 
has been from the mind of a six-year-old going, this would be cool. And I go, yes, it would. Yes, it would. Right? So you're yelling at them and be like, no, no, the theme is the Industrial (laughs) Revolution. No, I I let them just go with it. Uh, We had one where we had to find a uh, butterfly that was a rock star who got replaced by a doppelganger. Proud dad moment. My children came up with the word doppelganger. And mm-hmm. knew what it was. So proud nerd. That's dad because moment. I keep whispering at them, your dad is not your real dad. He's a doppelganger and he watches you sleep. Why do you tell them these things? What? Yeah. You're going I, to because I'm bored. <laughs> That's what this is about then. <laughs> Alright. We're not pl- we're not doing this podcast anymore. This is an intervention for God fucking damn, fam. fucking another one. Everybody's got their thing. Whatever your thing is, you just gotta rock your thing. Well, that's going to be in the fucking soundbite of this. <laughs> How's everybody's douchey beers? Quite douchey. douchey. It feels like it feels like someone just dissolved a, one of those fuzzy peaches inside of a beer. Yeah, mine tastes does not taste like margarita or beer. Mine either. tastes like an IPA passed by a cherry farm. Right, it's not a lot of cherry yeah. there. No, it's like not you a lot of cherry. The, 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 the peach is the same thing. It's there's not there's nothing to it. It's not even like an IPA. It, it's like it's like a, a Bud Light lime. It's like that beer. Paste cherry farm. Oh, that beer. It, it, it was it was brewed in Vernon. That oh, that's exactly. Oh, okay. yeah. They don't know how to make beer there. Dan's beer. Fuck you, Vernon. Dan's beer tastes like it knew a cherry once, but it might have been <laughs> like biblically. But it might have been something. Else. It popped a cherry once, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Everybody has their strengths. Right. And a combination of strengths that other people don't have. And you may not be the most unique person in the world. You're you may not be Lady Gaga, who is just meets And if you watch her documentary, you'll see how insecure she is behind the scenes and all this blah, blah, She's blah. also a piano virtuoso and as a musician is absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, but that's her strengths. And yeah. so she leans into it. Right? Everybody else has the strengths and we and you can tell when people real charisma, not on the D and D sheet. Yeah, real charisma is when you embrace your own strengths, and it draws other people in with your confidence based on your skill set. Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs>